Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read some verses here. We're going to talk this morning about Joseph, the forgotten man of Christmas. As we begin to go uh, about our daily routines, as we get closer to December 25th, more and more you see nativity sets uh, in places. Nowadays, you see them as early as Halloween. Uh, you go into uh, Dollar General or Walmart, and you already see the nativity sets and the uh, Santa Claus and everything already up, but um, if you look, if you uh, most of the time you look and you, you recognize the shepherds, the wise men, baby Jesus and Mary, but um, most children, if you ask them to find Joseph, they, they'd struggle with that. Um, so we understand that in the Christmas story, a lot of times we focus on the, the Christ, um, Jesus being born, we focus on Mary and her role. Um, but a lot of times, as we get closer to Christmas, Joseph is forgotten. I don't want to make a statement this morning about Joseph. Joseph is remarkably simple and simply remarkable in his obedience. Um, and his story is one that challenges us this morning in our Christian walk to remember him, and not only to remember him, to, to look to his example of obedience and apply it to our own lives. Look at me with... Um, Beginning in verse number 18 in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before, she came, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So, in this story, in the scriptures that we read there, <coughs> we see that Joseph says nothing. He's simply silent and obedient. And as we said just a moment ago, the mark of Joseph here is that Joseph is remarkably simple and simply remarkable in his obedience. So let's look at this for a few moments, for a few minutes this morning and see that first of all, Joseph is obedient. Joseph is obedient. When you look at the forgotten man of Christian, Christmas, you see this. Joseph models the influence and the consequences of an immediate Simple obedience to the command of God. So let's look at Joseph in real life this morning. Let's don't romanticize or idealize Joseph as we see him in the ivory nativity sets or on holiday Christmas cards, Christmas, uh, things like that. But let's look at what was really happening to Joseph here and understand that as we look at this situation, we are able to have a great deal of sympathy with him. He is engaged to a young woman who all of a sudden and strangely 
is pregnant. Um, and an angel says to him, this is an act of God. Then this cabinet maker from northern Palestine has to drop all his tools and go to Bethlehem for a census that has been decreed. And then shortly after that, there's another warning in a dream that he is to leave Bethlehem, to leave his country, his home, and flee into Egypt because Herod is going to kill every child there that's less than two years old. So he gives up everything. After this warning, he goes into Egypt. He has no network of people. He has, there's no cabinet guild there for him to go and to grab hold of and to say, I need a job. Um, he, gives, he has no family there. He has no connections. So if you look at this man, Joseph, who says nothing, you can summarize him in a single simple word that there was in his life an immediate obedience to the word of God. When he heard what God said, he immediately did what he was told. Now think about this word immediacy. If you look at Joseph, um, you'll learn that it is possible to obey God with a breathtaking immediacy. God spoke through this angel, and Joseph married Mary. In that regard, he acted with an obedience that was greater than any of the other characters here that we find in the birth of Christ. First of all, in Luke chapter 1, we find Zacharias. An angel came to Zacharias and said, Zacharias, you're going to give birth to a son and told him the details of why this son would be born. Zacharias says to this angel, look, I'm a very old man and my wife is a very old woman. I don't believe that this can happen. So because of his um, answer and because of the way that he looked at this, he was struck silent for months because of, of this, because he met this command of God with denial. Look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. We see her in Luke chapter 1, and she meets the command that is given her with doubt. Mary says to the angel, how can this happen? I've never known a man. Joseph didn't respond with a recorded denial or doubt, but rather with an immediate obedience. It's the scriptures tell us here in Matthew chapter 1 that he took her to be his wife, and did not touch her until the son was born. In fact, Joseph has an obedience that outshines many of the greatest personalities that we find in all Scripture. His obedience outshines Moses. Moses is an 80-year-old shepherd out tending a flock when a burning bush speaks to him and tells him that he is to lead over a million people out of bondage in the nation of Israel and to take them on an exodus to their freedom. What does Moses immediately do? Moses immediately four times gives God an excuse. I can't speak. I can't do this. I've been out here. I've not even been to Egypt in the last 40 years. No one would listen to me. Um, then we see Isaiah. Isaiah seeing God in a way that no one else in Scripture describes seeing him. He sees God high and lifted up in all of his majesty and all of his glory. He sees him there. And before um, he's finished, he gives an excuse to God. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. Then there's Jeremiah, who's called to be a, a prophet. And he immediately gives God's two excuses. I'm too young, and I can't speak. So Joseph here shows us that he's willing to be obedient in a way that even some of the greatest characters in all the Scripture were not. 
he, he, he leaves this record never having said anything. But when God spoke to him, he gave him something astonishingly difficult. This was not just a, a hard thing to do. This was one of the most difficult things that God has asked anyone in Scripture to do. So he immediately responds in obedience. It reminds me of the words in 1 John that give us a test of our salvation. By this we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Um, Joseph is, has this immediate obedience. He's then, he realizes God's not interested in our gold or our giftedness or any of our excuses. God simply wants to be obeyed. And he wants us to show that obedience being greater than a sacrifice. Then we see Joseph is in a tremendous amount of pain here. But yet he continues on showing obedience. He models an immediate obedience. But he also shows that we can obey God even in painful situations. Now Joseph is engaged to a young girl, Mary. Now in Jewish culture, when a girl is 12 or 13 years old, her parents can sign a decree of consent for her to be married. Now in the first year of this betrothal or engagement, she stays at home with her family and she is taught how to be a wife and how to run a household. In the second year of this engagement, Joseph would come and he would come to Mary's house and he would take her and he would move her into his house. So this is a two-year process we're talking about here. Now somewhere in the middle of this first year and second year, Mary becomes pregnant. Now, it's not something you can hide. It's, it's, it's obvious. It's something that is obvious there. And there is a denial there maybe at first. But you can't deny it. The evidence is becoming clear. And becoming brutally clear. It becomes manifest. So I'm sure like most of us in an unpleasant circumstance. At first Joseph probably wanted to deny it. Probably didn't even want to see Mary. But there came a day when it was obvious and it had to be faced. Now, this question has been asked for hundreds of years, thousands of years. Some of the greatest church theologians and historians have debated this question. When Joseph found out about Mary's pregnancy, did he believe that she had been guilty of sin and of adultery or infidelity? Justice um, has uh, written, a lot of, written a lot about it. Augustine wrote a lot about it. Jerome, Chrysostom, they all wrote a lot about it. And they all come to an agreement that, yes, probably when this situation came to him and, uh, immediately, his first thought was that she'd been unfaithful to him and that this was why she was, this is the culmination of this pregnancy. But all of the church fathers, Look at this, and closer to the event, they say that Joseph knows this about Mary. Joseph knew that she was virtuous, and Joseph knew that she was holy. And when God spoke to him, he began to understand that this was a mystery that he wasn't supposed to understand completely all at one time, but that he was just to have faith and to be obedient. See, he really didn't have any choice. Um, the famous phrase here, 
in the scriptures say that he was a just man. And that, that's got two meanings there. There's a Greek word there, dikeo. And first of all, it means he was a righteous man. It means that he followed the Jewish law to a T. He, he knew the law and he, he understood it. And as being a just man, he knew that he was supposed to, that it was his obligation to go to her family, to take a couple of men with him, and to say, because of this pregnancy, I'm going to set Mary aside, and I'm not going to continue with this engagement or this marriage. That was his obligation under the law of Moses. Because under the law of Moses, what did it say about Mary now at this point? If she was pregnant outside of marriage, it compared her to being one of the worst people walking. That was what the, that was what the law of Moses said. But it also, that word there, dikaios, also has another meaning there in being a just man. It means also that he was a prayerful man, that he was a prudent man, that he thought things through, and that he prayed and asked God's direction, and that he didn't want to do anything to shame Mary. And so when the angel of the Lord comes to him and he tells, he tells him what is going on, he says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't you imagine Joseph, night and day before he hears this word from God, he's pacing the floor of that cabinet shop. And what's he thinking? Do I look like a fool to all these people? You see, it takes years and years to build a business and to get people's trust. And Bethlehem is a small town. Uh, well, I'm sorry, not Bethlehem, but the town where he lived in Nazareth is a small town. Now, what do we know about small towns? Most of you live in Piedmont. What do you know? When something happens, what do, we, what do people do? They gossip. You know, it used to be they would pick up that telephone and, and dial, but now we just, we just text about it. And Joseph, is, is he's thinking about what do all these people think about me? What are they going to think if I take Mary into my home with her being pregnant? I've spent years building this business and getting people's trust, and now I'm going to do, and, and, and he's pacing the floor night and day, worrying about this situation that he's in. But then he hears from God. Hears from God. He begins to hear from God in a dream. He's probably praying continuously, because the Bible says he's a just man. So he's probably continuously, as he's pacing, He's probably pray, praying also. Reminds me of Philippians 4, 6, which says, Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious in anything. But in everything, pray. And Joseph is modeling, us for the, modeling that for us right here. He's praying. And so we see that even in this painful situation, he's obedient. And even in the face of fear, he's obedient. When this word came to Joseph, this is what the angel said. Fear not. The message was this, don't be too proud. It, the message was not this. The message didn't say don't be too proud to obey God. Don't be disgusted. Don't be angry. Don't be too hurt. Don't be ashamed. It said be fear. don't fear not. Stop being, afraid. Stop being afraid of obedience. Joseph is terrified by this virginal conception of Mary. God has come close. He's come very close to Mary. And it's created a situation that puts great fear in the life of Joseph. He's seen the power of God in a way 
that we've never seen it before. And you can see over and over again, when people see the power of God, they're in awe and fear of it. We think about Peter in the fifth chapter of Luke. When he sees the great catch of fish that begin to break the net, and it's like he's going to turn the boat over. And he's over, he, he, he does not overcome with gladness or joy immediately. He comes to Jesus, and he hits his knees and says, with fear, he says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Joseph has that same awe about him right now. He's been chosen for a task that he doesn't understand, but he knows it's the most important task he could be chosen for, and it puts him in great fear of God. God draws close, and when he draws close and invades our world with this kind of supernatural power, it creates in us a sense of fear. Joseph would much rather have gone back to his carpenter shop and went back to work and not have to deal with this. Think about it. He's going to be the stepfather to the Son of God. Not, not just He's going to be the stepfather to God in the flesh. That's pretty doggone, that's a lot of responsibility. So it's fearful. It would have been easier for, for him just to went back and said, no, I'm just going to go back and work and build cabinets and, and, and that's what I'm going to do. But he was obedient. I had um, I get two Sundays a year where um, I can be away from the church on a Sunday. And normally when we take those two Sundays, we're going somewhere. We're going on vacation. But last week, I had a Sunday off, and, and we just stayed at home. We just stayed there. And I began to, I got up late. I got up around 8, 8.30. Looked at the clock and thought, Jacks doesn't stop serving biscuits till 10.30, so I will lay back down for a little while. And as the day progressed, I watched, the, uh, I watched all the NFL shows that come on before the games come on. I watched Meet the Press. I read some stuff. I cooked a fabulous meal. Um, later on that afternoon, I wasn't coming back for church that evening, so I cleaned gutters. I started working on an outbuilding, cleaning out an outbuilding. I have my headphones in, and I'm just singing my heart out. I don't know there's another soul around, and there's a knock on the, on the side of the wall, and it's my neighbor Alec and Jason Bass, and they're hearing me sing to the top of my voice. That's probably maybe why I can't talk this morning. But as the day progressed, here's what I thought. I understand now why some people don't come to church every Sunday. It's a lot easier some Sundays to get up and look at the clock and say, ah, oh, you know, it's raining outside, or I've got the sniffles, or I've got this going on, or that going We were out late last night, or we've had a busy week, and I'll just stay home, we'll sleep in. I began to understand that. It began to look appealing. But what, does, what does the Scriptures tell me? What does the book of Hebrews tell me? Forsake not what? Forsake what? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So I thought about that, and I thought, man, being at church, is much, being obedient is much better than, than just living that way. So Joseph was obedient. He, he models for us an immediate, immediacy, and he models for us that in spite of painful, confusing circumstances, even in the face of fear, we abandon things and obey God. And then we see the trust that he had. He had a dream. He was sure that God spoke to him. 
Now he takes that dream and he measures it out. The rabbis have taught him growing up that there are dreams that are from God and there are dreams that we have to pray about and we have to ask God for his direction. So he wanted to know if this dream was true. And he hangs his life and destiny on this dream that he'd had. Um, and we see his obedience and trust. So this remarkable forgotten man of Christian teaches us obedience that stakes everything on one word from God. We also learn from Joseph that obedience has consequences. Um, when President Reagan was president, I remember that they described, the media described him as the Teflon president because nothing would stick to him. No matter what he did or no matter what mistake he might make, nothing could turn the American people away from trusting and loving President Reagan. It was like your grandfather was the president when Reagan was there. And the, and the press said, no matter what we say about him, it doesn't stick to him. It's like Teflon. It just slides off. Well, we know that a lot of times obedience doesn't always have those Teflon type things where things just slide off of us because we're obedient. Sometimes there's consequences for being obedient. Um, look at verses 24 and 25. It says that he took this woman with child from her parents' home, transferred her to his home, but he did not know her. He had no sexual relations with her until she brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. That was his immediate consequence. But also it had a lifetime of consequences. Obedience often does have those. No sooner had he married Mary, and they had to drop everything and go to, uh, go to Bethlehem in obedience. Not just to go to be a part of a census, but to go because it was God's prophecy being fulfilled that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. And so he's obedient. Then he has to go to Egypt. And I think we can understand this story as we look at those consequences. Sometimes when we're obedient, there's consequences. I was obedient to the call that God placed in my life to go into ministry. Someone even asked me yesterday, how did you wind up in a downtown First Baptist Church? You don't fit there. And my words were, I was obedient. And I, I want to say, come and you'll see, you fit. everybody fits here. Everybody fits here. But I was obedient. And because of my obedience, I've had the opportunity to baptize Hundreds of people that I've led to Jesus. But it's also had consequences on my life. There are places where I go where I know people just don't like me because I'm a minister and because of the stances that I take in the pulpit and the things that I say about what's going on in the world today. There are places where I go where people don't speak to me because of the stances that I take. There are places where I go where people are cold to me and just downright mean or ugly about it because of what I believe and what I preach here and because they know what, how what I stand for. But that's all right because I'm still being obedient and I'm going to continue to be obedient until God tells me to do something different. So Joseph shows us that we have to trust God. Now let's put this in, modern, in a modern term. and Let's close up shop here. Let's look at Joseph. Let's take away the nativity set and the old 
way of looking at this, and let's put it in modern, in a modern setting. Suppose there's a young man today engaged to a young woman, and suddenly she's found to be pregnant. And he had a dream, and God surprised him by saying, stay with her. After he was staggered by that kind of confusion, he had to face his parents and explain to them what was going on. He had to face her parents and explain to them what was going on. He had to face the gossip that would come from those circumstances. As, he, as they began to settle his heart down, some government bureaucrat said everyone in the U.S. has to go back to his hometown to register for a special tax. He gets in his old car and drives across the country. And when he gets to his hometown, there are no motel rooms, there's no hotel rooms. The only place he can stay is in a garage. So he's taking this woman to whom he was engaged and not married, who's pregnant, and in the garage a baby's born. And they set the baby down on a workbench. When the young man wonders what else could happen to me, a group of street homeless people come in, bang on the garage door and say, let us in. And the homeless people fall down on their knees saying, glory to God in the highest, we've come to worship this baby. As the young man's eyes grow wider, not long after that, three stretched limousines pull up and ambassadors to the United Nations get out and bring gold coins and lay them at the baby's feet. Then the governor of the state calls up the National Guard and says he's going to kill all the babies in that town. And the young man has another dream and God tells him, you better get out of there and go to South America in a hurry. Can you imagine that? If you look at this in a modern setting, you understand what happened to Joseph. There wasn't any I-20 to jump on and get to Egypt. No McDonald's to stop at. No hotels, no restaurants. Not, no one there waiting on him with a job. He found himself there because he was obedient to God. He found himself in one of the worst situations that a person could possibly be. But he accepts the consequences. He models to us that when we obey God, is, there's always ultimately the highest joy in that obedience. But immediately and for a lifetime, there can be consequences. God has a call for each and every one of your lives. I believe that. And he wants you to be obedient. And some of you have been struggling with that call for months and years. Some of you for a decades. You've been struggling with the call that God has put on your life. When all God wants you to do is trust Him and be obedient. I was the last person that anybody would have said, He's going to be a pastor. Some of you, would, if you had been told that 30 years ago, you'd say, I'm not going to His church. But here I am, I was obedient. And God has blessed my life richly for it. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to be obedient. He wants you to follow Him and to immediately say, I will because let me tell you about that time you've been struggling with this and struggling with that call and struggling with what it was. You have missed blessings for eternity because you're still sitting there debating with God. You can't win. Be obedient. Finally, look at Joseph. As a father, he's the greatest picture of an influence on a child. 
He's the father figure that God wanted for his son. He's the earthly father figure that God wanted for his son. God knew Joseph. God knew his heart. And God knew what he wanted from Joseph. He wanted Joseph to be the model of a loving father to his son. And Joseph was that. Joseph was such a model of a loving father and such an influence on Jesus that when Jesus went into his earthly ministry, he didn't describe God as emperor of the universe. He didn't describe God as creator of the universe. He called him Abba. He called him Daddy. He called him Father. And it was the first time and no other, no writing in all the Old Testament described God in the term of loving, compassionate Father. But Jesus Christ described Him as loving, compassionate Father because He was in a home with a loving, compassionate Father who was obedient and who knew His role in this great work of God and who didn't question God but was the model for Jesus. And Jesus was able to say, your God in heaven is your father. He's your daddy. He wants to embrace you and love you and hold you and hug you the way that a father should. He wants to give you an unconditional love. He'd never turn his back on you. So Joseph is a model for us of all these things. He's a model of a great father. And he was obedient. We don't find a lot more in Scripture about Joseph. Matter of fact, we don't hear anything else. But we know from these Scriptures that Joseph was obedient. And because he was obedient, things went into motion for Jesus Christ to be born. Would you be obedient this morning? You're saying, no matter what I'm obedient in, it won't be as significant as what Joseph did no I can promise you some of you here this morning are struggling with being obedient to things that will impact hundreds if not thousands for the gospel of Christ some of you are struggling with things that God is calling you to do that will impact you for eternity some of you went on mission trips to Nicaragua back in the summer where close to a hundred children at a vacation Bible school came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior because you were obedient and you went and sacrificed. And those hundred children have a home in heaven and hopefully some of them will be called to preach the gospel in Central America and thousands and hundreds of thousands will come to know Christ because you were obedient. There are children in our community who need Sunday school teachers and Awana teachers. Some of you have been, you felt that pull in your heart and you've given God every excuse. I can't do that. I don't know how to teach. I don't, I've never, I don't like to be, you know, stop. Just be obedient and trust God. Some of you this morning have been struggling with a relationship with Jesus Christ for months now. I don't preach anything other than Jesus and Him crucified. So if you come here and you see it, you're going to know that Jesus died for you. And if there's an expectation on your life to take that and to be obedient and to follow Jesus, 
this morning, don't, don't wait any longer, please. Don't waste any more time in disobedience. Be faithful to, to, and, and trust in God. I can't tell you what tomorrow will look like after you give your life to Christ. But I can tell you that he'll be there to guide you for the rest of your life until you meet him in eternity. You'll be obedient this morning. Would you stand this morning? Father, thank you for the physical strength to finish. Father, I pray that we would be obedient this morning. I pray that we would lift our heads and say to you, I surrender. I'll be obedient. I want to know Christ as my Savior. I want to follow in baptism. I want to become a member of this church that goes and, and compels people to come to know Jesus. I want to be obedient to that call to teach or that call to preach or that call just to talk to my neighbor about Jesus. I want to be obedient. God, show us a clear vision of what it is you want from us this morning. Speak to us the same way that you spoke to Joseph. Show us clearly. We ask it in Jesus' name.